Welcome to The Spin Cycle. I'm Maggie Sarachek. And I'm Addie Greenberg. And together we are the Anxiety Sisters. Anxiety Sisters, and welcome to our show. Our guest today is someone we have followed and admired for a long time. She has made huge strides as a mental health advocate and is really changing the way we talk about depression and anxiety and suicide in this country. Her name is Allison Nauman, and she is the founder and executive director of Active Minds, the largest nonprofit mobilizing young adults to change the conversation about mental health in America. Active Minds is really special to us because our mental health struggles really exploded in college. Of course, this was back in the 80s. And and there was very little, if any, help to be found for depression and anxiety. Nobody talked about it back then. And we both felt a lot of shame and self-doubt because of that. So we are just so thrilled that thanks to Allison, the, the conversation is changing. Allison formed Active Minds in 2003 when she was just 21 years old. Since then, Active Minds has grown into the country's foremost mental health organization, changing the mental health landscape with an evidence-based network of chapters and programs at more than 800 high schools, colleges, workplaces, and communities nationwide. In addition to her work at Active Minds, Allison also sits on the National Advisory Committees for National Suicide Prevention Lifeline and Wellbeing Trust. And perhaps most importantly, she's a fellow Quaker. Hi, Allison. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi there. It's such a pleasure to be here. In case you guys don't know what Quakers are, we, Allison, Abby, and I all went to the University of Pennsylvania. Not Penn State, but the University (laughs) of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. So one of the things we, we wanted to just start out with was the origin of Active Minds is really a very moving story. And I was wondering if you could share it with us and what kind of response you received when you decided to start this organization? Yeah, sure. Um, and, and Penn actually plays a big role in that. So when I was a freshman at Penn, I was faced with a pretty uh, intense mental health struggle in my family. My brother, Brian, and I had grown up in outside of Washington, D.C., in a very supportive home with a mom who's a social worker. And Brian was a star student. He's four years older than me, actually, exactly four years and four days. Mm. Um, and he was a star student. He um, was president of a number of school clubs. He was on the dean's list in our high school. Great GPA. He got into his top choice college, which was Columbia University in New York. And so being four years older than me, as he was going off to Columbia, I started my time in high school. And when Brian got to Columbia, he immediately submerged himself in activities and academics. But in November of senior year at Columbia, he went to visit the school's counseling services. Um, It happened to be a Friday that he had his appointment and he was presenting with signs of depression and anxiety, um, which for November um, in a typical school year is not all that atypical because it's the time of exams, midterms, getting ready to come back for break. And and so Brian got on the train in New York. He came back home to DC 
and ended up um, actually not going back to school on Monday. He ended up staying at home. As I said, my mom is a therapist. And so she immediately kind of noticed some changes in Brian's. So she got him connected to a therapist, um, a clinician here in the DC area. And um, Brian ended up seeing that clinician um, four days in that first week that he was home, which is pretty atypical. As we all know, in the mental health field, usually you see, if you're lucky enough to get in, you see a doctor once and then you wait a couple of weeks so you can get in again. But what we found out was that Brian was struggling with our best diagnosis is schizoaffective disorder um, and was struggling with a pretty severe depression as well as the psychosis that is connected. And uh, most pointedly, he had been struggling with this schizoaffective disorder since February of his freshman year at Columbia. Remember, he is now a senior. He's become president of an acapella group, sports editor of a newspaper, 3.8 GPA. And yet he remembered hearing his first voice in February of his freshman year at Columbia. And Mm -hmm. we only unpacked this and uncovered this once he was home and once he was in this really intensive treatment that he um, ended up getting into. He stayed at home. He he took a voluntary leave of absence from Columbia and really stayed in um, treatment to be able to address the issues that he was dealing with. I graduated from high school and uh, went off to Penn. Um, March of my freshman year, I came home for spring break and Brian uh, drove me back to the metro station in order to uh, get back to Penn. Uh, Four days later, March 24th of my freshman year of college, I got a call from my mom that Brian had taken his own life. Um, He was 22 when he died and I was 18. And the emotion that became the most salient for me was fear. And that fear came from this place of realizing that you know, Brian had been struggling with his mental health for a very long time before he finally sought help. And for him at that point, help was too late. I, I didn't blame him for not sharing. I didn't blame him for not coming forward earlier or not um, you know, telling my mom or telling me or any of those things because there was no conversation about mental health at the time. Even as you said at the top of the show, nobody was talking about this. And so as a young adult who starts struggling, you have no idea that other people are struggling, that what you're going through is normal, that uh, it's okay to reach out for help and that you can have a mental health struggle, diagnosis, disorder, whatever it is, and also thrive and and live the life that you want to live. And that was never a message that had ever come across to Brian. And so I launched, um, about a year after Brian died, I launched a student group at Penn to get students talking about mental health every day, to create a conversation about mental health that happens not just when crisis occurs, but um, on a daily basis so that students like Brian, when they do start struggling, know that they're not alone, know that help is available, know what the signs and symptoms are, and feel comfortable reaching out for help. Um, I was a student at the time. It was my junior year when I started this organization. I recruited my peers to to join it with me. I got a lot of support from the Penn administration, actually. Um, And we became this entity at at school that um, was just bringing a mental health conversation to Penn students from Penn students um, every day. I then graduated in 2003 and decided to form Active Minds into a nonprofit with the goal to mobilize the next generation. And so I wanted to create not only other chapters of that student group at other college campuses, just like I had done at Penn, but unite young adults to 
think about mental health differently, talk about mental health differently, raise our children thinking and talking about mental health differently. And the response was, um, it was extraordinary. I think one of the things I found is so many people find is that the moment you share your story, mm-hmm. everybody around you has a story and they've just been waiting to share it with somebody, not even realizing they've been waiting, but it just kind of comes out. And so the moment that I came forward with this you know, tragedy, I swear everybody around me had a story of their own. You know, we are at over 800 schools now. The majority of those schools have chapters just like that first chapter at Penn. We have a number of other programs that we were allowed to schools um, and we're, we're engaging and mobilizing the next generation um, who are thinking and talking about mental health in a different way and really having um, some pretty pretty significant impact. We had a study actually published by the Rand Corporation in 2018 that demonstrated that indeed the sheer presence of active minds at a school, even for students who had never attended an event that active minds put on and wasn't part of the group, but who could say, oh yeah, I've seen them chalk on the main walk or I saw them tabling during activities fair, those students had decreased uh, stigma around mental health and improved attitudes around mental health. And then for the students who were part of the chapter who had gone to our speakers or suicide prevention exhibits or our trainings, those students actually showed increased rates of help seeking for themselves and their friends. And that's our goal so that people like Brian don't wait four years to reach out for help um, and, and have it for them be too late, but to get people the support that they need as soon as they need it because they deserve it. Such a wonderful tribute to your brother. A lot of times people don't even understand that what is happening to them has a specific name, is part of an anxiety disorder or is part of depression or schizoaffective disorder or things happen and because no one has ever talked about it, they have no context to put it in. So I imagine, I can imagine a young man like your brother just sort of not even figuring out like, where do I go and how do I get help for this? Because I don't even know what's happening to me. No, it's so true. I mean, we, we think about it, you know, from the, literally the moment babies are born, they go to a doctor, right? And, you, and so you're, you're born into a model where when you're not physically feeling well, you know who to talk to and you don't always know what it is, but you go to that doctor to help you figure it out. We don't interface with the, with the mental health world until there's a problem, but you don't know there's a problem if you haven't been told what, what it's all about. Right. And so it's, it is so true that we are, we're, we're a little backwards in this. It's very hard to put a context on it. I mean, most anxiety sisters will tell us that they look back now and realize that they were anxious children or that they were anxious teenagers or that they have a, a certain issue. It might be agoraphobia. It might be like sort of a dissociation or whatever issue it is. And they didn't even know it was had a name. They didn't know it was a thing. Someone will say, oh, I thought it was just me. I didn't know that there was a name for this, that tons of people suffer from this. And Mags, when you and I were at Penn in the 80s, nobody talked about this stuff. No. At all. So, you know, mental health disorders are isolating to begin with, right? Because they're scary. And then when no one's talking about it, that's even more isolating. So I know that both Maggie and I felt really alone with our struggles uh, in school, which is once again, why Active Minds means so much to us because we know what it's like to struggle with a mental health disorder and not have anywhere to go with it. You know, and, and I actually did go to Penn Counseling. Me too. And the 
you know, I went twice and nothing really came of it. There was sort of, there just wasn't the vocabulary back then. There wasn't the, and, and to, to speak to what you just said, Allison, I think that part of the problem is that only now are we understanding that we need to treat our mental health the same way we treat our physical health, which is caring for yourself by using, doing preventative measures and by having robust discussion around symptoms and signs and things that you're feeling and what to look for and having checkups, even well visits for mental health. It's really important. I mean, people, like you said, they, you, you don't, you don't wait to go to a doctor until, you know, you're about ready to keel over. You, you go and check up and make sure you're okay. And it's really important to do that with your mental health as well. Well, it's true. But it also, I mean, it, it really just highlights such an important piece of, of this conversation to us at Active Minds is that so often we talk about mental health as a society when there's a crisis. So right. we talk about mental illness, we talk about suicide, and you know, I'm, for, I'm a suicide loss survivor. So there is no question why I'm interested in this. We need to be talking about this every day so that it is a normal and normalized conversation. And then we need to know how to respond to each other when somebody says, I'm having a crappy day. Um, and that's where a lot of the active minds is really focused in on is this role of peers. We know that 67% of college students who feel suicidal tell a friend before they tell anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so not only is it important to create a language for people who are struggling, we all know that it's just hard to know when you're struggling, but almost always the people around us can notice something. And so if, if young adults are talking to young adults when they're struggling, we're not, you know, we're tr not trying to report peer counseling, but this is about, hey, I'm worried about you. Can I call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline with you? Or can I walk you over to the counseling center? Or do you want to talk about it? What feels right to you right now? And that's a language that we haven't developed yet in our society about how to support each other. And it's critically important when we're talking about and with young adults, because we know that they are connecting with their peers. And so we have to make sure as peers, they're educated to be able to support each other. We also know that young adults are like your, your brother, where they're becoming symptomatic with certain types of mental illnesses while they're away at college. That's just the age group. Yeah. So understanding what's happening is even more important because obviously they're not at home where even an observant parent can pick it up, but they're experiencing those intense symptoms, you know, 18, 19, 20, when a lot starts. Yeah. And mm -hmm. at the same time though, we need to make sure that parents are talking to their kids about mental health at the age of five and 10 and 15 mm -hmm. so that kids do feel comfortable both coming to their parents and, and have a better understanding of what they're going through when they start struggling. One of your initiatives at Active Minds that really impresses me is, you know, I'm a communication person. That was my background. Is it VAR? That initiative is amazing because you're actually teaching young people how to approach each other and approach the subject. Can you just tell our listeners what that is? Because I think it's remarkable. Yeah, I'm happy to. So this um, comes from some research that has shown that stigma rates are at the lowest they've been, especially among young adults. And so young adults are saying that like, no, I don't judge. I won't judge anybody who's struggling, but but I just don't know what to say. And, and that's what they're saying. And so we created VAR as a everyday conversation for everyday struggles. The idea is V, validate, A, appreciate, and R, refer. If somebody comes to you saying, I'm having a bad day, or this is really hard for me, validate their feelings, validate what they're going through, that um, you hear them, you believe them, you trust them, 
appreciate that they've shared it with you. That must've been so hard. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. I really, I'm really grateful that you shared that with me. And then our refer, whether that's referring to the counseling center, maybe that's, hey, do you want to go for a walk? Or even what, what feels good to you right now? Asking somebody what kind of support that they want. If somebody had validated for me when I was in college that what I was experiencing was something a lot of other people my age were also experiencing, I mean, thank, thank goodness I had Maggie because, you know, we sort of we thought we were just weird together, you know, but we, you know, we figured our stomachs were bad because of the pen meal plan. We, you know, we didn't realize that we were constantly having anxious stomachs. So if we had had access to VAR, that would have been extremely helpful. And we do that too with our community. We share stories, we share our own stories. And now that it's such a large community, they are all sharing their, each other's stories. And it is very validating. Because people are like, wow, I just didn't realize so many people feel this too or have this too. And, and it's very healing. Validation just in and of itself is very healing. We were just wondering if you could tell us a little bit also about the Active Minds Healthy Campus initiative. Yeah. So a handful of years ago, I want to say around 2015, we were starting to talk about and think about what it means to be a campus and a campus community that is addressing mental health in the way we would want that to be. And one of the things we started thinking about was, well, it's not just mental health in a vacuum. What is important for a, a college campus or a school, a high school, or any sort of community is to look at the people in their community as whole people, their health and their well-being, which includes mental health. And so in 2015, we launched the Active Minds Healthy Campus Award to recognize those schools that are exemplary in their treatment of student health and well-being as a whole, which includes mental health. So this is everything from ensuring that there are doctors and nutrition and fitness equipment available to students, as well as really ensuring that mental health is embedded in all of this. And one of the things that's been really important to us is that it's not just for the schools who have huge endowments. There are schools, state universities and, and small liberal arts schools that may not have tons of resources, but they're using their resources really, really effectively. Really what we're looking for is a comprehensive approach to student health and well-being. And what's been fabulous since 2015 is that we have, um, I want to say about 20 schools that we've been able to recognize. We recognize schools every other year for their creativity. And we get more and more applications every year, which means that this is becoming a priority of more and more schools every year. When schools are seeing their students as whole beings, not just people to educate, they are creating students who thrive. And there's some research out of, out of California that showed that students who believe that their campus cares about their mental health, and this was totally subjective. So how you define if your campus cares about you, it's, it, you know, it's on your own to do that. But if you believe your campus cares about you, you're 20% more likely to reach out for the mental health services that you need. It's all on our website at activeminds.org slash healthy campus. Um, you can find out about all the schools that have won a number of white papers we've written based on some of the best and the most innovative policies that these schools have implemented. Wonderful. One of the things that's been really an addition to the Healthy Campus Award is a program we, ha we have called Transform Your Campus. The idea is there are simple culture changes that can be made that can make a big difference in the conversation around mental health. So one of the more popular Transform Your Campus po uh, policy change campaigns has been that we've had dozens of schools now print 
the National Suicide Prevention Hotline or Crisis Text Line or the local services phone number on the back of student ID cards. What's so meaningful to me about that is it shows, oh, my mental health is one of the three phone numbers that my school wants to make sure that I have information to access to take care of. We also have a number of professors that are now posting information about either the counseling center or the crisis lines on their syllabi, because for many students right now, the only interaction they're having with their school is through their online portal to get into their Zoom classes. Mm -hmm. And so if we can put information about mental health there, that's really lessening the barriers that students and especially students of color are facing in these really tumultuous times. That's excellent. One of the things that I know students have talked to us about at times is that if they present with either suicidal thoughts or more serious mental health issues, they will be asked to take a leave of absence from their school. And in many cases, students either don't have a safe place to go back home to, or that is not what they want. We've definitely both heard from students like that's a barrier to them to coming forward. And I was wondering if you could talk to that a little. Yeah, I have so many thoughts. One, I will say we're actually seeing that now in COVID separate from the leave of absence issue is that there are a number of students in March and April who are coming to us saying, how do I tell my parents that I go to therapy? There are many young adults who don't have a family environment where they uh, feel comfortable letting their parents know or family know they've reached out for help because of the stigma in their family or simply because it's a very private and personal thing to be mm-hmm. reaching out. So so that was even, you know, that's even separate from the leave of absence. That The leave of absence issue is a really important one. And actually our Transform Your Campus, that policy change campaign from last year was all focused on leave of absence policies. Because what we're finding is that actually there are a number of schools that have done really important work to change their leave of absence policy so that it is not as punitive or automatic. Problem is students don't know that. So make sure your policies are transparent to your students so that your students know what your policies are because there's a lot of rumors and some people might experience something at one school and a a student thinks that's probably the same at their school, but it could be totally different. So that's first and foremost. Secondly, there are a lot of schools that need to do better work at investigating their their leave of absence policies. There are still a number of schools that the moment a student is seen as a threat to themselves or others, they are automatically kicked off campus. And that can be more damaging than anything else that could have happened to and with the student. So this is, again, an area where our students are working with their with their schools to improve those policies. But those, those students who are afraid because they have a school with a poor policy and because they don't have a home to go to, they are legit in their fear, right? It's a, it's a scary time. The best thing that I would say to a student who's really afraid of that is to find a trusted staff member within the administration. Maybe it's somebody in the counseling center. Maybe it's a dean of students. Maybe it's even an academic advisor, but somebody who you feel gets it. And you can explain your hesitation to say, can you help me walk through these policies here at this school? Um, And I would also say for those students who are worried about their safety, to not be afraid to get the help that you need to take care of you. Even if it does mean that you need to take some time off from school, not graduating in four years is 
perfectly acceptable. And there are a lot of people who don't go on the four-year plan and still become the best in their field and, and live really successful, fulfilling lives. So it's like if we adults are saying, get help, we have to make sure that the help we're telling them to get is going to be responsive to their needs. Right, right. But really takes each, each student's or each person's whole experience and in life into account. So the last time that Maggie and I were out in the world was at the Active Minds Conference in Washington, D.C. this past February. And I really, we haven't seen each other since. <laughs> Did we see each other once more? Nope. That was it. And it was a fabulous conference. I mean, so hopeful and uplifting. We met so many great people from all different walks. Perhaps the most moving thing that I've seen in a really long time, and I know Mags agrees with me, is we walked into the exhibit that you have called Send Silence Packing. Maybe you should just explain it. I might cry if I try to, but it's yeah. it was, it's a, an, a such a powerful testament to the work that you're doing and to the conversation that's out there and needs to keep being out there. Right. I appreciate it. Yeah. I, um, I've seen it probably over 50 times and I am moved every time I see it. So Sense Islands Packing is Active Minds Traveling Suicide Prevention Exhibit. So as I, you know, we've talked about before, I am a suicide loss survivor. Most of the work that we do at Active Minds is really focused on, um, bringing the mental health conversation to the public so that people who struggle know that they're not alone and get help as soon as they need it. And suicide can be a tragic result of mental health struggles. The vast majority of people who die by suicide have a mental illness when they die, but many of them are not actually diagnosed. So suicide itself is a really important part of me and our work. And so Sense Islands Packing is a collection of more than a thousand backpacks that represent the number of college students that die by suicide every year. The bags have all been donated to us. Many are the actual backpack of somebody who has died by suicide. Many bags have the stories and pictures of somebody who's died sent to us and laminated on the front of the backpack. So if you imagine a thousand backpacks um, in a typical display, it's the size of a third of a football field. It's a huge display. And we'll travel this massive display to different college campuses and public spaces to bring attention to the incidents and the impact of young adult suicide, and most importantly, the role that everybody can play in suicide prevention. You know, I will be the first to say that not every suicide could have been prevented, but suicide is preventable. And so the, the work of Send Silence Packing is to bring massive public attention to the incidents and the impact, and also all of the tips and tricks and tools that we can use to help support each other and to help prevent suicide. So the last time Sense Islands Packing was exhibited was also at our national conference in February. We were meant to have gone on a big 40-stop tour in the spring that we had to cancel because of COVID, obviously, and we haven't been able to do it in the fall. But one of our exciting new initiatives, and you're the first to hear, is that we are actually making a digital experience of Sense Islands Packing right now. And it's something that we had been wanting to do for quite a while, but hadn't really had the capacity to do so. And then when COVID hit, it gave us the perfect time and, and energy to be able to put our focus in on what a digital experience would be. The first time I heard the word suicide uh, used was when I got the call that my brother had died. And that's a problem. We need to be talking about this really potentially tragic issue long before it hits anybody's personal life. And it is something, I mean, it really has affected a lot of us. We Both Maggie and I have firsthand experience with people who, who died by suicide. And, it's, and everyone we talk to seems to. I mean, I think this is not... 
a small group, sadly. And when you walk into that room and see all those backpacks, it, it takes your breath away. Yeah, it um, is. It's so important. These, these are all people, right? And, and you know, I, yes. I share Brian's story because I want to remember him for who he is and not how he died. And, and obviously how he died has left an indelible mark on me and has shaped my professional journey, but he's also my brother and who he was as a person has shaped me as a person too. And that's, that's the part of his story that, that I want, I want to remember, I want other people to know. And I think it's really important that, that people who haven't had this experience know that these are everyday people. These are, um, they're all of us. And so all of us have both an obligation and an opportunity to make this world a better place for people like Ryan. Well, it must be in a way, a real comfort to you to know that your brother is your partner in this. It is. I will never forget his smile and I will never stop telling his story. And so he is with me and he has been with me this whole time. So tell our listeners as a last question, if they are hearing this podcast and they're thinking, wow, I really want my son or daughter to get involved, or if someone's listening from a college campus or from their room saying, I want to get involved, what's the best way to connect with Active Minds? Yeah. So the first thing I will say is you do not have to be a college student to be connected to Active Minds. So no matter what your story, no matter what your connection, we are most well known for our network of chapters, but we have a number of programs at workplaces, in communities, on social media. So we welcome and and invite everybody in. So the best way to find us is on our website, which is just activeminds.org. You can, if you click on the programs tab, you can find out all about what we've talked about today, the chapters, Send Silence Packing, Healthy Campus Award. We are also all over social media. So Twitter, um, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, We do a lot of work in high schools. We haven't really talked much about that today, but um, we have a really big presence in high schools right now. We have a special VAR just for high school students. And so um, I'd encourage you to spend some time on our site and, and on our social. And you'll find in the show notes, we have links to everything that Allison has just mentioned. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the, the website you can reach on our show notes. And if you also, if you're on our website, there's a direct link. Allison, from the bottom of our anxious hearts, thank yes. you so much for all that you are doing for the world in this space. Your work is extraordinary. Your relationship with your brother is extraordinary. And we're just really inspired by you and what you're doing and hope that we can work with you in the future. Anxiety Sisters totally and completely endorses Active Minds. Yes. I so appreciate it. I've loved having this conversation. I really appreciate your support. It really means the world to me when when folks who get this and live this every day believe in what we're doing, because I believe it's what would have helped Brian. And I know it's what will help in the world, but to actually hear from other people that what we're doing is making the difference that we hope to make, I couldn't be more grateful. So I just thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. So grateful to you. Yes. Thank you, Allison. So let's see, our e-course, Anxiety Rescue, is still available at the pandemic price of $29. So many folks have told us that it has helped them a lot. So check out our website for some more information. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on our website at www.anxietysisters.com. As always, if you have feedback, especially compliments, questions, or an idea for a podcast, please email us. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, we would really appreciate it if you could, if you could leave, or you could live, you could live a review or leave a review 
wherever you're listening, because that really helps get the word out about our podcast. So anything else, Abs? Any other big announcements? You know, I, I got nothing, Max. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're pandemic out. Yeah. We, we're having yeah. pandemic fatigue over here today, although that conversation with Allison was fantastic. It really was. You've been listening to The Spin Cycle, an Anxiety Sisters production. Copyright 2020.